you can turn to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. Uh, we'll be in verses 9 through 12. Don't go to 2 Peter, you'll be real confused. It's very, very important. First uh, Peter chapter two, beginning in verse nine, which we'll read in a second. But before um, we read uh, today, what was previous to this reading um, is that Peter has reminded them through Old Testament scriptures that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of everything, and that those that trust in Him have no regrets. Those that trust in Him recognize Him and praise Him for His glory. And those that don't trust in him trip over the cornerstone. And they trip over the cornerstone because they refuse to obey. They they, they trip over Jesus because they refuse to obey him. And because they refuse to obey him, um, this is something that that God specifically predicted. Because not everybody's going to obey. And not everybody's going to follow God. And so this is a reminder of uh, what was previous to this, which we did not look at last week, but I want to give you some context. So now he's going to be moving into a part of this book where it's like, but for you, you'll see it's a, a significant shift. So I wanted to prepare you for that. Let me uh, pray for us. And then after that, I'll just have you guys stand as we read a few verses today. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you literally... Uh, are here with us. I mean, you are in our midst. And if we know you, if if we are a follower of you, Lord, if we believe in you, then your Holy Spirit lives in us as well. And so thank you that we can we can hear beyond what we sing today, beyond what we hear from your word today. We hear from you. And maybe you'll use one of the songs, maybe you'll use the word, Lord, but my prayer is is that you would do a work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you could please stand as uh, we read from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Amen. You can be seated. So right off the bat in in this verse, uh, Peter is saying here to us, but you. This big shift from, all right, I've talked about what that looks like out there. And it's not like an us versus them. This is Peter showing like, this is how the world lives. And this is how you're supposed to live. And then Peter reminds him, remember, you once lived this way. Like this was once where you are. So there's, there's this plea for compassion of like, 
Not an us versus them, not a, not a I'm, I'm against you, or, or if you don't live the way that you're supposed to live, that you and I are donezo. Anybody know where donezo comes from? Huh? Was it Sesame Street? Oh, oh that's Gonzo, yeah. I think it was Parks and Rec, anyway. Anyway, but anyway. Dunzo, like we're, we're, where we're at. Like that's where we get to in our, in our culture. And Christians are, are no, not, as, not guiltless in this, right? And so Peter is painting a picture of this is, this is where you once were, but now you don't have to live this way anymore. So this, but you are a contrast. He starts off with, you are a chosen people. Like believing is one thing, but we have to know first, right? And so sometimes we know something is true and we haven't quite moved into the, I believe it, or maybe I believe it a little bit, but not yet. And then we begin to live it. And this is what I mean by that. Like, as you realize that you are a chosen people, as you realize that you are, as he goes on to say, a royal priesthood, which means you are kingly in nature, and you, you, you are actually in the office of a priest. More on that later, by the way. I'm not going to have everybody walking out with collars, just so you know. You are a holy nation, a people set apart for God. You are a people for his own possession. You were purchased by God through the cross, and you are preserved by God. Like when we begin to know and then believe in that more and more, we will live differently. Like you as an individual will live differently. And why does God want us to do this? Verse 9 says, so we may proclaim, but here's the beautiful part of it. I live so much of my Christian life just like living for God for other people. Like, I'm going to live for God, so I, I'm going to use me to bless people. Well, now I'm like, Lord, I just want to live in you. I want to live in you. I want to talk about what you're teaching me, and I want to talk about what you're doing in my life and in the life of my loved ones and, and how I see you working as it, as it affects me. And as I do that, I just hope you use it however you see fit. There's a guy that came to me recently, this uh, other job that I do, and, and he said, hey, you know, I've been, I want to remind you, you, you preached a sermon when I was there one time, and uh, it was about da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and I, I don't remember it at all. I don't remember the sermon. I remember him being there. He was uh, helping out, you know, some of our musicians, but I was like, well, praise God. And I didn't tell him, oh, yeah, I don't remember that. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the verse he's talking about. That was good. Like, I remember the verse. Okay, good. Yeah, I know that verse. Glad I taught on that. I'm glad I said those things. That's really good. God uses things that he's doing in us as we just, just live our lives. That's how we proclaim it. You don't have to be like the street, you know, preacher to proclaim him. God may call you to do that. Go for it. But as we live our lives, knowing and really believing, not just head, but heart and life and gut, like that's when we start to live and proclaim his praises. One of the, one version says the excellencies 
of him. Just tell us what God is doing for you. Because I need to hear it. And I promise that uh, if we in here start to tell what God is doing in us, even the struggles, even what God maybe isn't doing. Like I'm, I'm wanting God to do this, but here's what God's not doing. And, and we can join in. I promise you that might not be the exact same story, but there's, there's somebody in here that, that can join with you and say, oh, nobody really gets that, but I do. Somebody is there. Because as you tell us what God is doing for you, I mean, we are starting to realize that, man, God brought us out of darkness and he brought us into this marvelous, wonderful light. Like once we were not his people, but we received mercy from him. Then he goes on to say, friends, I urge you. As foreigners, how does he say it in this? I have an older NIV. Yeah, dear friends, I urge you. How does he say it in y'all's verse 11? Dear friends, I what? Nobody's looking at their Bible. Oh, my word. Okay, all right, so same show. All right, this is a same, same uh, scenario here. Okay, cool. Mine is an older NIV, so I just wanted to make sure. This whole urging, um, as foreigners and exiles, meaning that we're, we're visitors here. We're strangers here. That's what this verse means. This is not our permanent home. So we're being told here in these verses and, 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 and encouraged, like, don't get comfy. Like, I don't mean, like, don't buy a house, don't get comfy or whatever. I just mean, like, don't get too comfortable to the ways of this world. Because this is not the way God wants things to be. This is not our home. We are in the world, not of the world. Because our true destination is a new heaven and a new earth. And we're being encouraged in these verses and all throughout Scripture to not build our lives on what is temporary. Don't be distracted from your destination, our destination. And what is our destination? Let me read from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Here's the best part. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. No more mourning. No crying. No pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's our destination. That's what we're meant for. That's what Jesus died for. That's what God created us for. So, why not start living that way now, is the invitation.
Why not start living in who you actually are going to fully be able to experience one day who you are in Christ Jesus when he comes back? Like this, people say this is the audition. It's actually the real thing, right? Like this is life or death, darkness or light, all these things. We should abstain from these sinful desires, not because God's not fun, but because they're not good for us. Matter of fact, why is sin so powerful? Well, because it's so darn fun, right? It wounds us. It weighs on us. It destroys us. But boy, the reason we just keep doing certain sins is because they're fun to do. But they're no good. And they separate us from God. And so... Passion can be a good thing. I mean, if you said, hey, I have passion for the Bible, great. I have passion for prayer, hospitality, friendship, marriage, whatever it might be. But the passions of the flesh is what we're talking about here because this is what leads to sin. Things like jealousy, comparison, lust. And lust doesn't have to be the first thing that we think about when we think about lust. Lust is just a want, 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 right? Greed, gossip, coarse language. We don't have to live this way anymore. And the invitation is because you don't have to live this way anymore, what's going to happen is what what he says in verse 12. People that don't even believe what you believe one day are going to go, there is something different about that person. And what is that? It is you proclaiming the glories by you living the changing, transforming life that Jesus Christ is doing in your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And people will begin to take notice. People will begin to understand, and then you'll understand that, wow, this is maybe what it means like to be this priesthood. Now here, I told you I'd get back to it, didn't I? This is not like a priest as we think about maybe commonly like a Catholic church or an Episcopal church. I'm I'm sure there's other denominations that do that. I'm not talking about like the person that wears white collar, you know, whatever. This is not that. Let me just briefly talk about what it is, because this is about the priest in the Old Testament. And they were a very select few. They were called to reflect the holiness of God. They were called to offer sacrifices to him. They went to God for others. They represented God. They they served usually a a high priest. And and the the order of that, they would do it really well. Well, we serve, there's only one high priest. And that's Jesus Christ now. And so that is what the royal, that that is what the priesthood does. So who, who is that now? Like, who are the priesthoods? Was, was Peter just writing this to a, a, a crowd of people? Like, anyone that belongs to God is a part of this royal priesthood. Like, anyone that says yes to God, I will follow you. Anyone that says, I realize that Jesus is the only way. 
the only truth and the only life and the only way to get to the Father. I believe that. I know that. And I want to live that. Like anyone who says, I want more of God today than I did yesterday. Anyone that says, hey, Lord, I know I've surrendered my life to you. I know that I've said I'm before you, but I just am not experiencing you right now. Like there's a difference between like knowing something, like, you know, understanding like God's love for us. But I don't know about you, but I need constant reminders. I need him to constantly remind me because it literally is happening all the time. Like just paying attention sometimes is just like, here's a funny way that we do it. And it really, it, and not all the time. Sometimes it's just a joke, but sometimes it really ministers to us at home. Uh, let's see here. Somebody left the door unlocked all night long, let's say, in my house. If you know me, I'm like, like I don't need a security system. I'm it, right? <laughs> and so why would I pay you to do what I do? Like, I'm ready. If you have a security system, that's great. I, I don't, I'm not anti-security systems. But. but rule number one is when you come in the house, lock the door. So I remember waking up one morning, and I was like, who in the world left the door unlocked? And I asked and investigated. Nobody did it, obviously, you know, right? And I said, I cannot believe the door was unlocked all night long. And Dee looks at me, she goes, God loves you. I was like, what do you mean? She said, because he does a better job of protecting us than even you. Which stung a little bit. (laughs) But it's true. But like, even that is like, I know that, right? But then as I thought upon that, I, I, I began to believe that, yes, God actually can do a better job than even I can. And now I I try to live in that. Now, our doors are still locked, by the way. But I try to live in that truth. I need constant reminding. We all need constant reminding. Knowing leads to more believing. Believing leads to more believing. And more believing leads to more living in these truths. Jesus was approached by a man um, before Peter wrote here. And this, he was a father, actually. And he came to Jesus and he said, my son is demon-possessed. They, they, he's overtaken and he's thrown down and he convulses, he foams at the mouth. And Jesus uh, had just come down, Jim, mountain tr- transfiguration, right? Isn't that where it was? He'd just come down from the mountain transfiguration, right? So it's him and Peter, James, and John. Okay, they just saw Jesus, like, light up. Oh, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Okay, big, big moment. What were the other nine disciples doing? They were down here in this mountain, and what they were doing is they were approached by this man, and he had asked them to cast out the demon, and they couldn't do it. And so he approaches Jesus, and, and he says, your disciples, I've asked them, but they couldn't do it. And, and if you can, can you please help them? And I, I used to read this like Jesus, like, if I can. I think it was more like, if I can? Oh, 
can't wait to help you. He says, if, you, if I can't, like, anything is possible to anyone that believes, is what Jesus says to him. And then here's the knowing and the believing, like the, the shift. He says to the Lord, I do believe. But please help my unbelief. Like, that's me. I don't know about it. That's you. Like, Lord, I do. I do. I do. do I do. I do believe. I do. I do. I do. But, oh, Lord, let me like here. Just believe. What do you think Jesus did? I mean, he healed the kid. And that kid was healed, not demon-possessed anymore. We don't know where this took him, but I promise you, that father never, ever lived the same life. Like when we know and believe that we are chosen by God, not us versus them, that you are a part of a holy nation, that you are a, a royal priesthood, you will realize that whether you are aware of it or not, you have been already living differently. And God will remind you and show you those ways you're living differently, and that will continue to encourage you because constantly asking God to remind us of our unbelief is absolutely the only way to overcome unbelief. That's it. And so these constant reminders God gives us, one way we're going to take it in just a little bit is the Lord's Supper, communion. By taking that together to remind us that on the night he was betrayed, he did this with his disciples and he said to them like, hey, this bread represents my body. It's going to be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood that will be shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he said, I'm not going to eat of this meal until I come back. Like Jesus is saying, I cannot wait for you to be with me forever. Then and only then will I celebrate this meal again. But for you, I want you to as often as you do this, remember me. So I don't know what the Lord has done in your heart today. But I do think um, Memorial Day is such a great day of remembrance, right? Remember those of the fallen um, gave their lives for our country. We're grateful for all veterans and anybody, but like there's a remembrance of this. And so I think we can do that with the Lord right now. And maybe it's just a few minutes with just you and the Lord dealing with things with you and Him. Maybe it's 
like those priesthood of believers on, on behalf of others. Maybe that's what you need to do. Remember my illustration last week that I've used before, like when the oxygen in the plane goes, what do they say to do with the mask? Put yours on first. Why? So you can help others. So I would encourage you to do time with just you and the Lord and see where it goes. You probably received a prayer calendar on your way in. You can use that as a way to pray on behalf of others if you want. It might feel like a long time because we're not going to have any background music. We're just going to be still before the Lord quietly to reflect on what is he doing? What is he saying to you? Um, let's go to that time in prayer and then I'll lead us in some communion.